You know, many times throughout the years, um, the songs done for Sunday morning worship will confirm um, the message that I've prepared. And I've, I don't think I've ever um, coordinated my sermon with the songs or, or try to, to coordinate songs with the sermon. I, and maybe because I was a worship leader for so many years, that I'm happy to just let the worship team kind of do whatever the Spirit leads them to do. I give very little um, specific direction on it. And so, and for that reason, when a song is done that seems to so well reflect what I'm about to share, it encourages me. It's confirmation. It's like, yeah, God, I'm really hearing you. This, is, this really is your word for your people that day. And so, the song Fly that we did, the second verse is, For way too long I've settled for these lies when so much more has been waiting on the other side. I think it's time we cross this river so wide, leave these shores, and step off the edge. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. That reflects so well the heart of what I want to share with you today. There's so much more. God is so much bigger. There's so much more. So... Last week's message was on knowing Christ, and I offered to you a rather passionate look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 10. Verse 10 says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. I told you that the prize referenced in verses 13 and 14 in Philippians 3 wasn't salvation. That's not the prize. The prize that Paul is striving for is relationship. It's intimate friendship with God. He says in those verses, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There isn't any pressing or striving or winning for a free gift. Salvation is a free gift. But there is pressing, there is straining, and there are prizes to be won as we develop intimate relationships. That's why Paul could say in verse 8, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing. Christ my Lord. It's the difference between an intellectual and an intimate knowledge. The suffering and the death of verse 10 and the loss referenced in verse 8 have nothing to do with academic knowledge, but they have everything to do with an intimate knowing. I won't suffer loss or die for a concept, a theology, or a doctrine. I will suffer loss. I will die for an intimate friend. It's all about relationship. This whole God thing, this whole Jesus thing, it's all about an intimate relationship with him. And so the title of today's message is Safe Versus Good. And so I want to continue to expound on this topic of knowing Christ. I'm convinced that my primary role as a pastor, as a leader, is to point you to him. Everything that I can possibly do 
to inspire you, to encourage you, to provoke you, to spur you on, to point you in the direction of having an intimate relationship with him, that's my job. Anything that I do that stands between you and the bridegroom is a mistake. That's not my role. My role is to help lead you into deeper relationship with him because everything you need, everything, everything you need emotionally, everything you need spiritually, every practical need that you have in your life will be satisfied, will be enhanced as you develop a deeper and more intimate relationship with Christ. I can't meet your needs. (laughs) I'd be foolish to think that I could, but he can. So I want to point you to him. So that's what inspired the last couple of messages and what's on my heart today is to help you know him better. So I want to continue to expand on that topic of knowing Christ. And today I want to do it by asking you this question. Who is this King of Glory? Who is the King of Glory? Beginning in verse 1 in Psalm 24, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, mighty and strong. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Lord, I pray that you would use me today to speak your word to your people in a way that's life-giving to them. And Father, I pray that by the end of this presentation, they may have a better understanding of who you are. Amen. So who is this king of glory? More pointedly, who is your king of glory? Who is he to you today? Who is he to you right now? Is he the babe in a manger? Is he the lamb slain for your sins, hanging on the cross? Is he the gentle shepherd, the good shepherd, tending his sheep? Or is he the victorious risen Lord holding the keys of death and hell in his hand? Is he the Lord revealed to John? In Revelation chapter 1, listen to these verses, beginning in verse 12. This is what John said. This was how he saw the King of Glory. He says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet. 
and with a golden sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white as wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Ooh. John had a very different picture of the king of glory. Who is your king of glory? Is he the rider of a white horse? In Revelation 19.11, where it says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. Or is he the lion of the tribe of Judah, of Revelation 5, who's described as the root of David, who has triumphed, who is able to open the scrolls and its seven seals? Who is your king of glory? What has shaped your image of Christ? Is he the weak, effeminate Jesus of the Hollywood classics? You know, kind of looks more girly than man- manly. Is that your Jesus? Is he Mr. Rogers with a beard? You younger guys even know who Mr. Rogers is? (laughs) Or do you see him more like William Wallace from Braveheart? Or Maximus from the movie The Gladiator? How do you see God? Is he safe or is he good? How many of you have read the books or seen the movie uh, The Chronicles of Narnia? How many of you guys have seen that? Most of you guys are familiar with it, right? It's a series of books, and in the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, this this is in the book, not, not so much in the movie, Lucy, the youngest of the four children, Lucy is having a conversation with Mr. Beaver. Remember Mr. Beaver? <laughs> and Mr. Beaver is telling her about Aslan. The, the Christ character in the movie. And so Lucy asked Mr. Beaver if Aslan is safe. And Mr. Beaver offers this profound, insightful response. She says, safe? He says, safe? Mr. Beaver does. He says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. But he's good. A lion's not safe. (laughs) Who is your king of glory? I believe that much of the world has rejected our Jesus because we've portrayed him as too small and too weak and too powerful and too nice and too safe to rescue them from their hellish lives. We've offered them dogma. We've offered dogma to an extreme generation that values experience over factual information. And they've rejected it. 
We've offered an untouchable and impersonal Jesus to the generation that thrives on interaction. We've offered what we know. So I ask you again, who is your king of glory? The psalmist David, a man after God's own heart, a king, a warrior, a poet, the psalmist, and a man of grievous sin, tells us that the king of glory is the Lord, strong and mighty. That the king of glory is mighty in battle. That he is the Lord Almighty. The message puts it this way. Describes the king of glory this way. God armed and battle ready. God of angel armies. From my own personal relationship. From my own experiences. From visions that I've had. This is what I've discovered. This is my king of glory. I've discovered how relational he is. How selfish I am. I've discovered how powerful he is. And how powerless I am. I've discovered how strong he is. And how weak I am. How able he is and how unable I am. I've discovered how wise he is (laughs) and the incredible extent of my personal foolishness. I've discovered how broken I am and how capable he is of putting all the broken pieces back together. Because he said he came to bind up the brokenhearted. And he's really good at what he does. I've discovered how sinful I am and how amazingly forgiving he is. I've shared with you guys stories how over the last three years, God's given me 40 visions in 40 days. On February 11th, each of the last three years, he's given me a series of visions. The very first one, that very first year, the first vision of those first 40 days. First thing I saw was a loud, noisy, clanging, mechanical-looking snake. That's the first thing I've seen. I've seen amazing things in these visions. The next thing I saw was a fence, like a picket fence. And only after I looked past the snake and I looked past the fence did I see the lion. And he was majestic. He was amazing. There's lots that God spoke to me, and there's a lot more to that vision, but But this is clear to me, that to see the king of glory, to be able to see the lion for who he is, we have to look past the snake. We have to look past lies and deceptions. To be able to see him, we have to be able to look past offenses. Offense. We got to be able to look past offenses. We can look past the lies. We can look past offenses. We can see him. Some of our lies are theological. (laughs) Some of them are traditional religion. Some of them come from our 
experiences. Often, the offenses come from our experiences. But to see him, to see the king of glory, to know him, he's on the other side of those things, and he's waiting for us. I tell you what, this this lion of the tribe of Judah, he's not comfortable, he's not convenient, and often what he offers to us is not what we think of as safe. He is, after all, a lion. But he's good. And he loves you more than you've ever been loved before in your life. You can trust him. I was reading a friend's blog this week. And they posted a a story um, from one of the writings of Henry Nowen. Anybody familiar with Henry Nowen? He's a, he was an internationally renowned Catholic priest and author, a respected professor of, both, of, of Yale, Harvard, and Notre Dame. He was a beloved pastor. He went home to the Lord in 1996. But a favorite author of mine. And in one of his books called Our Greatest Gift, A Meditation on Dying and Caring, he tells this story. I call it the twins story. I want to read it to you. Now in writes, he says, Recently a friend told me a story about twins talking to each other in the womb. The sister says to the brother, I believe that there's life after birth. And her brother protests vehemently, No, no, this is all there is. This is a dark and cozy place, and we have nothing else to do but cling to the cord that feeds us. The little girl insisted, there must be something else, a place with light, where there is freedom to move. Still, she could not convince her twin brother. After some silence, the sister said hesitantly, I have something else to say, and I'm afraid you won't believe that either. She says, I think there's a mother. (laughs) Her brother becomes furious. A mother, he shouted. What are you talking about? I have never seen a mother, and neither have you. Who put that idea in your head? As I told you, this place is all we have. Why do you always want more? This is not such a bad place. After all, we have all we need. So let's be content. The sister was quite overwhelmed by her brother's response, and for a while didn't dare say anything more. But she couldn't let go of her thoughts. And since she had only her twin brother to speak to, she finally said, Don't you feel the squeezes every once in a while? They're quite unpleasant and sometimes even painful. Yes, he answered. What's special about that? Well, the sister said, I think that these squeezes are going to get us ready for another place. Much more beautiful than this but we will see our mother face to face. Don't you think that's exciting? 
The brother didn't answer. He was fed up with the foolish talk of his sister and felt that the best thing would be simply to ignore her and hope that she would leave him alone. Do you feel the squeezes? Do you? Do you feel the squeezes? Are you discontent? Are you dissatisfied? Good. <laughs> That's really good. Because listen to me, there's more. There is birth outside the womb. There is life outside of the safety of what's comfortable and familiar. There's more. He has more. Now, I know that some of you have been Christians for a long time. Trust me, you have not explored the, the extent and the vastness, the infinite vastness of who God is. There's more. I love hearing what happened to the teenagers this past weekend. I love hearing the stories. They discovered it just for a couple of days that there's more. And they got to participate in it. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that awesome? Are you done? Are you done? Have, have, you, have you thrown yourself, have you thrown your spiritual walk on automatic pilot? I'm doing this for 20 years or 30 years or 40 years. I'm just going to keep doing it the way we've always done it. Could there be life outside the womb? Could there be life outside the four walls of the church? Could there be more beyond your experience to date? Of course there's more. Of course there's more. We serve a great and amazing God. We serve the King of glory. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he is the most passionate and extravagant lover that you'll ever encounter. And his desire is for you. His appetite's for you. His eyes are fixed on you. He's put a bullseye on your heart. Guys, there's more. There's so much more. I beg you, <laughs> I implore you, don't settle for what's safe. Don't be content with what's safe. Matter of fact, don't let safe be your focus. Don't let safe be your objective. Let it be him. There's a great adventure awaiting us with him. There's a great adventure awaiting you with him. And I don't know how he's going to do it for you. I know what he did with me. He kept bringing people into my life who would talk about their relationship with God in ways I'd never experienced. And it provoked me to jealousy in a holy and godly way. I was thinking, Scripture says that he is no... Um, what's the... That's the word. He's no respecter of persons, right? That means he doesn't play favorites. That what he does for one person, he'll do for another person. He doesn't give a little bit of his heart to one 
and a lot of his heart to another. That's not how he plays it. He gives everything, all he is and all he has. How deep our relationship with him goes is not determined by how little or much he extends, but by how much we we desire, how hungry we are, how thirsty we are. Some of these people would come along, (laughs) and I realized, oh my goodness, there's more. There's a whole lot more. And I don't have to settle for what I've had to date. You don't have to settle either. I encourage you, go to him. Seek him. He stands at the door and he knocks. And he's waiting for you to open the door. You know that that verse was written to believers, not unbelievers? Revelation 3, he stands at the door and knocks. We've all heard that verse used in evangelistic context, right? (laughs) He's standing at the door of our heart. That letter was written to believers, not unbelievers. He stands at the door and knocks and waits for you to open up because he wants to come in. He wants to come in. Do you feel the squeezes? There's so much more available outside our comfort zone. And it may not be safe. It probably won't be safe. If all I wanted was safe in my Christian walk, I never would have left Queens. Matter of fact, I never would have left Brooklyn. God knows I never would have went to West Virginia. or Washington, or Texas, or back here. None of that was safe. All of it was him. Don't settle for safe. There's lots more outside of safe. Like Mr. Beaver said, of course he isn't safe. But he's good. You can go with him. You can risk. You can take leaps of faith because he's good. He's really, really good. I tell you today, and this is the Spirit of God, some of you stand at a crossroads, and you've got to make a choice. You can choose either way. Just like I had to make a choice, oh my goodness, was I going to leave Brooklyn and move out to Queens? That might have been the hardest move I ever made. Well, West Virginia might have been the hardest. I had to make a choice. Was I going to do what was safe? Or was I going to follow the lion of the tribe of Judah because he's good and follow him where he leads me? Some of you have to make that choice. You're at the crossroads. He will love you either way. But I'm here to tell you this morning that there's more. You have not exhausted the fullness of who he is or what he wants to do in you. Don't be motivated by fear. Don't be afraid. Because even though he's a lion, he's really, really good. And he really, really loves you. Let's pray.
Lord, I pray that you would put within our hearts a holy dissatisfaction, a holy discontentment. Lord, I pray that you would give us more faith and less fear. Lord, I pray that we would be able to step out and follow you, no matter where you lead us. Lord, I pray that you would give us a greater appetite for you than we do for comfort. Give us a greater appetite for you than we do for safety. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Now, you guys who are away on the the retreat, would you guys come up? I just want to do some ministry this morning. You guys come up. Help me out. You guys can just line up here. Now what I'd like to do is, um, you guys, some of you guys can stand on this side too. What I'd like you to do is give encouraging words to people today. Okay? So look out over our friends here. And Lord, I, I thank you for these guys. I ask that you would open their eyes now. Lord, I ask that the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation would be here. The spirit of prophecy would be here this morning. And bless these guys and open their eyes to see. Now what I'd like you to do is look out over the, the congregation and just see who's, who stands out to you. One person just might capture your attention. It might almost seem like they're illuminated, like they're kind of lit up. And I ask God to speak to you something that's encouraging, all right? Something that's positive and something that's life-giving, all right? Who'd like to go first? Somebody other than Samantha. Come on, you guys could do this. I'll help you. Um, I don't know your name. The one, in, the man in the green. Yeah. What's your Matt, name? Why don't you stand up? Matthew. The rest of you I guys look at Matt too. I don't know if it's because <laughs> I saw you, like, worshiping and stuff, but I just, like, see, like, this passion, and, like, when I saw you worshiping today, like, I just felt like you just, like, have the heart of David, mm. and I don't know. That's pretty much it. That's good. Anybody else see anything on Matt? I look at you, Matt, I just see that you're growing in wisdom, buddy. Getting wiser and wiser by the day. You should, man, I just want to encourage you to, to trust that. That's good. Who else? Who sees something on somebody today? There you go. 
I don't know anyone's name, so I'm you in the corner and with the pink shirt and the white thing. Dorothy. Oh? What? Oh, oh Dorothy. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> what? I just said her name. Um, they, whenever I did it, like, in the meeting, I always saw pictures. And when I see you, I see, like, a newborn chick coming out of an egg. Mm-hmm. And the outside the egg, it's like looking around, not sure what's there. Well, um, I I don't know how that has to do with anything. That's <laughs> good. But of course, it's yellow. What does yellow mean? Yellow means hope. And what's one? Number one. Yep. Usually represents God. Well, that's what I see for you. Sorry. Anybody else say anything on Dorothy? As you look at it. An egg, new beginnings. Right? That's good. Coming out of your shell, maybe. Anybody else? Those two guys? We'll let you go now. <laughs> you held back on um, In the pink, in the, uh, by the window? Hi. Um, well, I think your pink shirt, just like, a lot of people are wearing blue and like, reds and whites, but like pink is really bright and colorful. <laughs> so um, I just want to encourage you to let your light shine through. Because yeah. I think you just popped. So. She just pops, right? Yeah. To kind of stand out. That's good. Anybody else? Okay. With the rest of you guys. Go. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm, the one, the woman in the back with the red curly hair, her sunglasses on the head. <laughs> is, that, is that your mom? You are the most beautiful woman in the whole world. <laughs> That's good. Mom is beaming. All right, Matt, before, I still don't know what it means, but I saw you, like, on a boat and, like, kind of sailing, like, just going with the flow and, like, being, like, the captain of the ship and just, like, just, just, I don't know, just relaxing and just, like, but, like, you were going fast and and there was, like, I don't know. A direction. I don't know. That's, That's all good. I'm seeing. <laughs> That's good. Awesome. Anybody else? John, could you put on some kind of music that might seem uh, appropriate for the moment? And what I'd like you guys to do now is, um, when the music starts playing, just kind of walk through the room and just lay hands on anybody you feel led by the Spirit to lay hands on and just bless them. God put a deposit in you guys uh, this past weekend and freely you've received. I encourage you to freely give. And so for the rest of you guys, just I encourage you just to close your eyes and press in. Just let your focus be on the Lord and 
you guys feel free to go desperately to the tent. All around us so that we hear the passion that right. beats through your heart. Go ahead. Spirit, put healing in our hands, put life in our words, and drive a passion for the lost deep in the hearts of your people. Inhabit the praises of us, your children. And Father, send us out with a reckless passion. Deliver us from evil and set a standard of unity to break down walls and to heal your people. Unity is the cry of your church, Lord. Reconcile the children to the fathers and with forgiveness and mercy rush through the hearts of our land. We cry out our deep need for you, Jesus. Oh God, come in power and bring glory to your name. Stay as long as the spirit ministering to you. You feel like he's done with you to go and enjoy the rest of your day. Your daughters, we lie here weeping between 
Lord. 